Normally here at Calvary Chapel, we don't spend a lot of time uh, making appeals uh, for money. That's not what we do here. Because that's not the reason you came. You didn't come to hear an appeal for money. Uh, You came to hear the word of the Lord. You came to hear uh, wonderful worship. You came to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. You came to be encouraged. Or perhaps you came with a need and you're looking to uh, pray. You need someone to pray with. That's why you came here. But what we do, uh, at least once a year, sometime towards the middle of the year, we try to give you a financial report. That's what's in your bulletin today. Now we do that again at the end of the year in February when we have our membership meeting. We give a financial report. Uh, how we use the funds that were given to the church. So that's what's in your bulletin. Now we're a little bit late. This is uh, January through August. It should have been kind of in July, but that's about halfway through the year. And then we'll give another report. And then once a year, I get up here. Uh, The board would like me to encourage you on the issue of stewardship. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering, what's this about? That's what's taking place. The scriptures apply to you, but the application of those scriptures only apply to Calvary Chapel people who... Uh, are here at the church and consider themselves members. So that's what we're doing here this morning. We're stopping our series. We usually do, we're doing, Pastor Rob's doing a series uh, through Daniel and I'm doing a series, a parallel series through the book of Revelation. We're just pausing for one Sunday to talk about getting, giving right. So that's what we're going to do. So why don't we start with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for uh, the word of God. We're always careful to give you the praise for all that you've done for us and give you thanks. We come with uh, open hearts to hear what you have to say to us. We'll always be careful to understand and honor your word in every aspect of life, but especially this sensitive issue of giving and our stewardship. So, Help us get giving right. That's our plan. And so we ask your blessing on the word of God today in Jesus' name. Amen. I've selected four passages that cover the important aspects of giving. Are they the only passages? No, they're not. Uh, Will they be fully explained? Mm, Probably not. I have a limited amount of time, and my goal is to encourage you in this subject and get you out here on time, which will be a real work of God, as opposed to what's been going on in my absence. (laughs) Hey, listen, you point fingers at Rob, I have done what he did last week. So many times I've forgotten how many times it is. So God bless you, I just had to take that pot shot. <laughs> okay. So we want to turn in our Bibles to the book of Malachi chapter 3. That's the first, there's four, four passages we're going to look at quickly. Four passages. Malachi chapter 3. Now the book of Malachi was written several hundred years before the birth of Christ. And the prophet is dealing uh, with the Jewish people on several subjects that God had um, a burden for. Uh, The whole issue of divorce comes up here. How uh, they handled the temple, how they handled the offerings, how they looked at serving the Lord. 
And on chapter 3, he comes up to this subject that was uh, the subject that we saw in the drama, the issue of tithing. So uh, Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me, you say? How have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will all your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. First thing we see in this passage, giving to the work of the Lord keeps us from robbing God. Giving to the work of the Lord keeps us from robbing God. A couple of questions. First question is, how are we to understand this phrase, robbing God? Notice he says, how have you robbed me? You're cursed with a curse. You're robbing me, the whole nation of you. What does it mean, we're robbing from God? What does that mean? Well, it would seem in the heart of God that 10%, that's what tithe means, 10% of what they were making, whether it be produce or money, was to be returned to the temple for the work of the Lord, 10%. And so when they uh, did not give that 10%, they were really stealing from God because that did not belong to them. They could keep 90%, but 10% was to be returned to the temple to be used for the work of the Lord. And so when they didn't do that and they used that percentage, that, that money or that, that produce, they were really stealing from God. It didn't belong to them to use as they wanted. It was belonging to the Lord. Second question is, what happens when they do this? Well, we see that he had promised if they would do that, he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. So they were missing a blessing. God wanted to do something for them, but it wasn't happening. They were missing this Incredible blessing. As a matter of fact, he says, if you would have done this in verse 12, all the nations, now that word is Gentiles, all the unbelievers would see what was happening in Israel and they would go, wow, look what the Lord is doing with those people. Isn't that incredible? So what happens when they were, when they were robbing from God? Mm, they weren't getting the blessing. They weren't getting the phrase window of heaven. Imagine, and it says, and it overflows, overflows. Okay, third question. How do we understand this phrase, cursed with a curse? Notice what he says. You are cursed with a curse in verse 9. How do we understand that? Well, if you look down in verse 11, it says, I will rebuke the devourer. The curse was there was a devourer. Now, what's a devourer? Well, it could be... um, no rain, it could be bugs, it could be the weather's too hot, it could be the weather's too cold, it could be enemies coming in and stealing all the crops. But what the point was that every year they had hard work. They worked real hard to produce what they needed, but it never came to fruition. The hard work of their hands was never blessed. It never 
produced what it should have produced. There was a devourer. Either it rained too much or it didn't rain enough or uh, it was too hot, too cold. Whatever it was always kept the produce from being what it should have been. There was a devourer in the land. Okay, so fourth question, what does the Lord ask him to do? He says, test me now. Test me now in this, verse 10, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Now the point is, what the Lord is saying is, if you guys will believe my word, if you'll believe my word and begin to do what I've commanded you to do, then I will pour out a blessing. Now, he's, he says, I'm not going to do it until you test me. And the test is that they would believe God's word and obey it. And when they yielded to it, he said, then I'll rebuke the devourer, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. That's the point. So giving to the work of the Lord keeps us from robbing God. And it allows him to open the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing on us. That was the promise made to God, from God to his people back in Malachi chapter 3. Story is told about a man and woman who were married for many years. There was always a confrontation. There was a lot of yelling and screaming throughout the night. As the man grew older, he would say, you know, when I die, I'm going to dig my way up out of the grave and come back and haunt you for the rest of my life. He was a mean, angry man. The neighbors feared the old man. And he liked it. Then one evening at the age of 88, he died. After the burial, her neighbors, concerned for her safety, asked wife, aren't you afraid that indeed he might be able to dig his way out of the grave and haunt you for the rest of your life? Well, he says, nah, let him dig. I buried him upside down. <laughs> and I know he won't ask for directions. <laughs> he was kept from successfully fulfilling the promise he had made, but nothing, nothing is going to keep God from fulfilling his, fulfilling his promise that he made. That if we'll trust him and trust him in that, he will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. It's a true, it is true. Okay. Second verse we want to look at is in Matthew 23, 23. Now in this particular chapter, the context is Jesus is working over the scribes and Pharisees, which he loved to do. They were hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? Somebody who says one thing and does another. So in chapter 23, he's working these poor folks over. Notice what it says. In verse 13, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 14, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 15, he calls them hypocrites. Uh, Verse 23, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 25, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 27, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 28, they're hypocrites. Saying one thing, doing the opposite. However, notice verse 23 gets us back to our subject. They were doing many other things wrong, but let's just look at verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, they were tithing on the smallest amounts of spices. You've neglected, but, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done 
without neglecting the others. What we see here is giving to the work of the Lord is endorsed by Jesus. Now, some people say, well, you know, Pastor Neil, that tithing issue only appears in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Old Testament. Um, And most of the verses do appear in the Old Testament. However, it does appear in the New Testament, and it appears right here. And Jesus seems to be endorsing the concept of tithing. However, somebody went, wait, 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 Pastor Neil, wait a minute, Pastor Neil, now, you know, you know that Jesus hasn't died, hasn't been crucified, hasn't been resurrected, so technically they're in still under the law because we haven't had the death of Jesus, right? Resurrection and the birth of the church, which takes place, some say, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. That's when New Testament starts, right? Pastor Neil, you're right. So technically, in the early part of the Gospels, those people are still under the law because Jesus hasn't died and resurrected. He hasn't paid for the sins. So technically, yes, it's still in under the law time. And so they say, well, see, then, then we're not obligated to tithe. And I say, oh, well, okay, then do we want to forget also the second half? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness, and that's that's under the law? No, 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 you can't do that. I see clearly here that Jesus endorses. Jesus endorses giving to the Lord. And he sees it as part of what believers do. Believers in the God of the Bible, whether it be in the Hebrew Scriptures or in the New Testament, it's endorsed by Jesus. Okay. Turn with me to Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You can see I'm moving rather quickly through these. We're not going to beat this to death. Chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. 2 Corinthians 6 through 9. Here I think we see one of the clearest passages on giving for New Testament believers. So you want some New Testament scriptures? Okay, here's a good one. Let me read it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And Paul is dealing with the subject of giving here. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who also sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance in every good deeds. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Here what we see is giving to the work of the Lord is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. Notice what we see here. Verse 6. Here we find the principle of sowing and reaping. He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. That goes all the way back to Malachi chapter 3 because they were not reaping bountifully because they were robbing from God. That also applies to farming. If you're, if you're a farmer and you only sow a few seeds, you're only get, get a little bit of fruit. Yes, if you're same for gardeners. If you're into gardening, if you're into gardening, I'm not going to give it to any, any gardening in stories here, but if you're into gardening, you'll, if you only sow a few plants, you'll only get a little fruit. 
It also happens to apply to spiritual life. Galatians 6, 7, 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, this he will also reap. He who sows to the flesh shall reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit shall reap eternal life. So that principle is there. So Paul applies it also to giving. Now notice verse 7. Here's what a believer does. It's to do. Each one must do just he has purposed in his heart. See, it's an issue of the heart. That's really where it's at. Not grudgingly, which means, okay, God, or like we saw on the, on the, on the little uh, drama here. Uh, not grudgingly, okay, I guess I have to. Well, if I find any way out of this, I'll, I'll try and get out of it. Uh, because God loves a cheerful giver. See, it's an issue of the heart. You cannot obey verse 7 until you really realize the grace of God in your life. You can. Because everything you have is a result of his grace. Your health, your family, your home, your job, your education. Everything you have. And when you kind of come to that conclusion, it's like, wow, everything I have is a result of his mercy and grace in my life. Wow. Then it's not like, of course you don't give grudgingly. I get to keep 90% of it. It's like, yes, God is so good to me. I can give cheerfully. See, it's an issue of the heart. See, God isn't interested in in the amount. He's interested in your heart. But if your heart is right, because you realize how good he's been to you, then giving is not not an issue, because it's an issue of the heart. Now, second half of that verse is noted, not under compulsion, New Testament and they speak, translates that compulsion. And you know where I think? I think that application has to do with the leaders of the church. The tendency is when, the, when the, the offerings get a little thin is to begin to lean on the people. You know, lean on them. Hit them hard, Neil. Get them to dig real deep. When a church does that, who are they trusting? Let me ask you, who are they trusting when they begin to demand that you give and dig deep? Who are they trusting? They're trusting you to supply the work of the ministry. And their heart is wrong. Wrong. Why? Because God, even as Pastor Chuck said, what did Pastor Chuck say over and over again? Where God guides, God provides. See, now, um, occasionally when I have to, you know, I'm human just like everybody else, the tendency is, the temptation is to, you know, oh, boy, look at that. Wow, the ties are in. Wow, maybe I ought to say something. Maybe I ought to lean on them. And I have, to, I have to hesitate from doing that. Now, when we take an offering here in the morning, we don't make appeals. We just pray for the offering. Why do we do that? Because it's God who's going to take care of this church. And it's the responsibility of the board and this leadership if, if what's coming in isn't matching what we're doing, then maybe we just need to take a look at what we're doing, 
Maybe we're spending too much money here. Spending too, maybe we need to make some cuts. Maybe we need to kind of put things in order. That's our responsibility. Not to just keep pushing for more and more and more. And if you're in an organization or you're supporting a ministry and all you hear is give, 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 you got to give to support the work. I think they just need to say, you know, I don't think your heart is right with the Lord because the Lord provides the funds. So we can see here, we are to give, not grudgingly, but cheerfully. Because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a heart that says, oh God, you're so good to me. You're so good. And I want to bless the work. So more people, you'll have an opportunity to be good to more people. See, it's the heart. And when church leadership begins to press more and more give, 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 their heart's not right. They need to repent. They need to repent. Okay. Finally, let's look at Luke 16. Luke 16. Jesus is telling a parable, and in Luke 16, verse 9, he says this. Luke 16, 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal, into the eternal dwellings. From this I get, giving to the work of the Lord looks to the future. Looks to the future. Now you're saying, how did you get that, Pastor Neil, from that verse? Ah, well, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. In verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells this parable. And the parable is this. We won't read it, but essentially the parable is this. There was this manager, and he was going to get fired. Okay? He was doing a good job. His boss says, I'm going to fire you. You're so out of here. And before he got fired, what he did, he took some of his boss's debtors, and he decreased what they owed. Now, why did he do that? He did that so that when he got fired, his boss's debtors would take care of him. He says, I'm, I don't want to beg and I'm too old to dig, so I'll decrease what they owe my boss, and then when I get fired, they'll take care of me in the future. Then Jesus makes the, the application here. He says that make friends for yourselves by the means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, now that's an important thing. What is it? When does money fail? When you're dead. (laughs) You can have all the money you want, but it doesn't do you any good, right? Money fails you when you're dead. Not when the stock market crashes or not when you make a bad investment. Money fails when you're dead. Now, I want to tie this to a passage in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 and following. Here Jesus tells another parable about a man who made a lot of money one year, and he decided that he was just going to spend it on himself. (laughs) And uh, he says, verse 19, Luke 12, 19, And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He's going to use all the stuff that he had made that year for himself. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. 
this very night, your soul was required for you, and now who will own what you have prepared? Now, I can think of a lot of people that I would be hurt if you called me a fool. If you called me a fool. I'd be kind of hurt, right? Maybe if somebody called you a fool. But the one person I don't want have called me a fool is, you know who? God. I don't want God to say to me, you fool. Now, why was he a fool? Because he said, verse 21, so this man who stores up treasure to himself and is not rich towards God. That's why he was a fool. Now, here's the question. How do you become rich towards God? Someone once said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Ah, that's the point that Jesus is making. When money fails, make friends so that when it fails, you will be received. He's talking about when money fails, when you die, you'll hear not these words, you fool. You'll hear this word, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear from Jesus. Now, I asked Al to sing that song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. That is such... I started to tear up when I heard that. I started to tear up. I think about some of you guys who teach in Sunday school. I think about some of you guys who support missionaries. That's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. You're going to be in heaven. And somebody that you don't even know, can't even, don't even recognize, is going to come up to you and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Because giving to the work of the Lord looks to the future, not the future right here on this earth. We are to use what Jesus calls in this verse the wealth of unrighteousness for the work of the kingdom now. Looking to what happens in the future. Okay. Let me see if I can pull this all together. Story about a man who, um, whose wife disappeared. And so the police were asking, they said he made a missing person's report, and so he said, my, my life is missing. So the policeman was asking some questions. So he said, well, what's your height? He says, well, I, I don't know, 5'8", five, 5'10", five, I've never noticed. She's slim or healthy or, or a little overweight. Well, kind of, she goes back and forth, kind of. Uh, color of her eyes, he says, oh, I don't know. Her hair, well, that changes too. Uh, what was she wearing? Well, oh, pantsuit, I, I don't really remember exactly. Was she in a car? And husband said, yes, well, what's the, you know, the make and the model and the, the color of the car? He says, well, it's a, a black Audi 8 with supercharged 3.0 liter engine with a V6 engine generated 333 horsepower teamed with an 8-speed triptronic automatic transmission. And there's a very thin scratch on the front door and then the husband started crying and the policeman said, don't, don't worry, sir. We'll find your car. <laughs> That's, 
that's an interesting story. But what was he really worried about? What, you know, he said he was missing his wife, but that wasn't really what was going on. Now, we can all say lots of things about the kingdom of God, amen? Do you want to see the kingdom of God expand? Well, of course we do. What Christian wouldn't want? Do we want a, people to come to know the Lord? Yes, of course we do. Of course. All of us, none of us would disagree with any of those statements. But here's the question. Those are all good thoughts and they're all good words. But actions speak louder than words. We see here this morning. When we give to the work of the Lord, it keeps us from robbing God and it opens, when we give to the work of the Lord, it opens the windows of heaven. He'll pour out a blessing. It's a promise from God and he tells us, test me on this. We see that that principle is endorsed by Jesus. We see that essentially it's an issue of your heart. Where's your heart? You recognize the grace of God in your life? How good God has been to you, to me, and this church? I do. And finally, looks to the Lord, to the future. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Pray with me, please. So we're uh, each of us uh, have received so much from you and maybe we're the recipient of somebody maybe there was some Sunday school teacher maybe there was a, a church that was being supported by folks and they went out and they, they helped us come to know the Lord and our lives are changed because of it Help us to hear your word, Father, not in a condemning way, but in a way that would encourage us to be responsible to what is called in the New Testament as our responsibility towards our local church and towards the missionaries that we're so grateful that you have given to us. May this word speak to each heart. May your grace abound in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.